Welcome to the My Home, My Mission podcast, a conversation about life at the intersection of faith and family. Hey guys, we're in studio this morning. Welcome to the My Home, My Mission podcast. I'm hanging out with Jordan today. Hello, hello. And we have in studio with us a special guest, one of our newest members on our church staff, our team, uh, Pastor Skylar Ortega, our pastor of worship, man. So, hey, welcome. Glad you're hanging out with us today. Thanks. Glad to be here. It is good to have you. We've been talking about bringing you on the pod for a bit now and uh, getting you to talk a little bit about who you are so folks will get to know you and then uh, start us kind of talking through this process of something you and I did before we came on, um, before you came on staff. I told you that, you know, in the big picture, I wanted to see us develop lifelong worshipers of Jesus. And uh, who better to help us talk about what does that mean uh, in the context of life than to bring in a pastor of worship? And uh, so I'm excited about it. And um, why don't we start this way, if we could, and tell us a bit about who Skylar is. Introduce yourself to the people. Yeah, cool. So uh, I was uh, born and raised in Arizona, so I'm a West Coast baby. Um, Half my life spent there, half my life in Virginia, a few years in South Carolina, and now I'm here. The Lord has blessed me to be in my dream church, which is awesome, but um, born and raised in the church, I love everything and anything coffee related, uh, the gym, weights, working out, all those good things, and anything musical I, I'm usually a part of as well. Oh, very cool, man. Very cool. So, all right, you've got ties to the West Coast, and I didn't know Arizona was a West Coast. Is it just like Western part, or is it actually? Well, it's Western part. I, okay. Yeah, people Because somebody tried to sell me some beachfront property in Arizona one time, and I thought that was a bad thing. That's definitely a bad thing. It's a bad thing. Yeah. All right, so good. <laughs> Checking it out. So, all right. So you, you spent some time in Arizona. You spent some time in Virginia, not like mm-hmm. doing time, not like a no, not at all. I was too young. Yeah, yeah, so got it. Jimmy. Perfect. Yeah, so you were too, you were too, I was too young for prison. So that's it. <laughs> no, no. All right. So you went to yeah. school at Liberty? Yeah. I went to College of Liberty University, got my bachelor's undergrad in worship and music studies, and uh, I've loved it. Very cool. So you must have thought music is kind of your jam from the from maybe an early age. Yeah. So my call into ministry was actually affirmed uh, when I was about 12 or 13. I just moved to Lynchburg, Virginia all the way across the country. And uh, the Lord just spoke to me in a service and said, this is what I have for you. And that's when I knew I was called to ministry. And it's, it's good. Pretty incredible. Now, did you grow up like in a ministry family, like uh, your dad's a pastor and your granddad was a pastor? I mean, Jordan's got this long lineage of family history. <laughs> I was the first yeah. rebel uh, in my family to become a pastor. But how about you? I'm the first pastor in my family. Um, so I wouldn't consider myself a PK. Um, but I, I was definitely raised heavily in the church, heavily involved, especially in our First Baptist Church of Mesa in Arizona. Yeah. My parents were super involved, uh, Sunday school leaders, Awana leaders, everything and anything they could get their hands on and be a part of to volunteer, they did. And I, by association, was there at all times. Yeah, I was so. drugged to church, too. I had a drug problem all my early <laughs> days. Yeah, parents drugged me right on the end, so I get it, man, definitely. Yeah. Um, so, all right, this is really important stuff. Mm-hmm. Who do you pull for in college football? Penn State. Okay, you didn't mention <laughs> Pennsylvania anywhere I in your mix. Look, the, uh, so the way that came about, I I was on a football team in, in high school, not for very long, but for about two scrimmages. And I did every summer, uh, they did workouts, and I would join them for those workouts. Well, our coach, 
uh, Coach Rocco is his name, and he played for Penn State in his prime in college. So he played for the good old era, um, Joe Paterno days, and uh, it was yeah. it was good for him. And he would just endorse them all the time and just nonstop Penn State, Penn State. I'm like, man, I gotta check these guys out. So I did, and uh, I loved every second of watching them play. I love their gear, their colors, their stadium. They do whiteouts, which is so cool to me. I want to go. That's on my bucket list. Got to go to a, a whiteout game and. I've loved them ever since. I used to do whiteout too before we got autocorrect and word processors. I would use whiteout. <laughs> did you do that, Jordan? Oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I just make yeah. sure. Okay, so that's the whiteout we did. So yeah. nice. <laughs> I'm really old at that point because, see, I can tell you, I know what a typewriter is, and you mm. don't even know what I'm talking about, do you? The weather's good today. Yeah, it is good weather. Yeah, so there's that. All right, so enough of pointing out the fact that Skylar's young and I'm feeling incredibly old as the oldest <laughs> dude in the room today, though Jordan's not far behind me, man. You're I'm not, a long way behind You're us. not that far. You're not that far. You and I remember the 1900s. Yep. Skylar, not so much, I don't think. So, <laughs> Not so much, no. <laughs> good, 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 good. All right, so you're the pastor of worship arts at Inglewood. Mm -hmm. uh, some folks may not know what that means. I mean, I see you on a Sunday morning uh, leading singing or leading the band or leading, um, you know, uh, the activities on the stage alongside me. But mm -hmm. maybe you could help folks understand a little bit about what does a worship pastor do? Yeah. So um, I think that really starts with, you know, calling, like we've said. So I'm here because of my calling, and I know that I've been gifted, and um, the Lord has given me these talents to do this in my uh, profession now at this church, which is awesome. Um, but when you know that you have those giftings, you use them for the Lord. So when it starts for a worship pastor, for me personally, what I've seen in mentors and people that I trust and respect is they start with themes. So they'll talk to their pastor. They'll talk to whoever's uh, preaching that Sunday or Wednesday, and they will match the worship music to the sermon itself, uh, whatever the theme is going to be, so that everything is kind of flowing together. So that's the same attack that I have every week when we start, you and I mm. discuss, okay, what are we going to be doing this week? Or you know, how far out can we plan so that we can get some new songs or familiar tunes that have to do with everything you're going to be discussing that Sunday in particular, um, so that we can have a good theme throughout the flow of worship and prepare their hearts for when you do teach. So that's really... That's really the, the goal for me and making sure everything first and foremost is biblically founded, doctrinally sound, theologically sound. Um, but also like scripture says, we want to sing new songs to the Lord. So throw in a new song once in a while so that people, um, there's a, there's a new sense of life of we can celebrate Jesus in a new way. And that's good. So, um, I'm going to translate that into Chris Aiken terms real quick. Sure. Um, you take my ideas and make them make sense to everybody else in the room. Through music. Through music. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. I love it. That's yeah. exactly right. That's There's great. no doubt about it. That's certainly a piece of... That's probably not all you do as a worship pastor, though. No. Yeah. The uh, The other part of that term, worship pastor, is pastoring. So, yeah. you know, leading people, um, making hospital visits. I actually did this week on Pastor on Call, and I love that so much. Mm. Um, but leading your people to effectively understand what is worship? Why do we worship? Why is it essential for us? Mm -hmm. And really showing them the, the key attributes of worship in our lifestyle, that's really key for me to do as well. So um, that's what we've been doing a lot of uh, with the band and with the praise team and everything that we have at Inglewood so far. 
Oh man, very cool. So just kind of kind of building on that, like yeah. what what you do, why 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 does the church need worship leaders? So worship leaders are really essential in my mind because uh, everyone can be a worship leader. So make no mistake, if we're talking about music, there's a little bit of a difference there, Mm -hmm. but everyone to an extent is a worship leader or we have the ability to be a worship leader because worship is a lifestyle. It's not what we do on stage through music. It's not how we can play a song well or effectively, you know, sing a solo. It's, it's our lifestyle. So we are on the stage for maybe five or 10% of our week. If that the rest of that percentage is taken out of the week when you're living your life at the store, getting gas, going to lunch with friends. How are you living for Jesus in that 90% versus the 10 that people actually see you elevated to that level? Uh, but I think everybody has the ability to be a worship leader. But with music, if, if that's what we're talking about, yeah. then it's really important that people understand Worship is essential because it gives um, the Lord all the glory and all of the praise, which is what we're commanded to do in Scripture. I mean, Jesus said when he was being tempted um, in the wilderness by the devil, we are to worship the Lord and only the Lord. And that is a key verse that I go back to when people always ask, why is worship necessary? Well, Jesus said it when he was being tempted that it is a, it's almost a command to give God all the glory and praise. That's what we were created to do. So if that's what we were created to do, we should do it to the best of our ability. As Psalms say, do it skillfully and unto the Lord with excellence. And that's what we're attempt to do on stages every Sunday is to do it to the best of our ability and that people can come alongside of us and sing theological songs, basically sing scripture um, over themselves. And out of worshiping the Lord, you should have a full heart by the end of it because he inhabits the praise of his people. And when he does that, if you don't feel life, I feel like maybe you don't understand what you're singing or how you're worshiping because God, if he inhabits the praises of his people, you should be blessed in the end of that for Mm -hmm. sure. But it's not about us to start. It's about the Lord. You said something a second ago that, that I think we should talk about. You, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned earlier, if we're talking about music Mm -hmm. and that worship is the rest of our lives. What, so how would you define that? What is, what is worship? Yeah. So again, worship is a lifestyle and, uh, it's an act of praise to the Lord in every, and every, and any circumstance. So in conversation, in what you listen to, in how you're portraying yourself from day to day life, that is the most important factor of worship. Worship, worship and music are not synonymous necessarily. Mm-hmm. They're a tangled kind of bunch of words that can be interchangeable from time to time, but they are not synonymous biblically. So worship through music is a form of worship. Worship is just a lifestyle. So how do you act? You know, are you reading the word? Is that um, something that you're doing a lot of? Are you praying with the Lord? Is your walk with the Lord increasing day by day? And such as, you know, if you do that, then you are you are able to invest into others without even having to necessarily try. But the Lord is going to come out in your life because you are being so um, adamant about your own time with him that it'll bleed out. And that's just what I firmly believe. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great answer, and I think there's a lot of there's probably a lot of misconception out there in in the church mm-hmm. as you know across all over the world just confusion about what worship means because mm-hmm. usually when we talk about worship we're talking about um, a worship service we're talking about songs we're not necessarily talking about the the Romans twelve model of worship the right our our acts of service and all those kinds of things so that's 
that's good. And, and I guess that's part of the worship leader's role too, is to help them understand, understand how to live lives of worship outside of the yeah. big room in there too. Absolutely. That's I exciting. In our human minds, we always associate worship and music together. And that's the only time that we worship is through song. I think so many people have come up to me and said, man, our, our worship was awesome. And I said, yes, it is. But how's the rest of your week going? Man, Everything yeah, good there. Good and that's, that's really the, the focal point for me. Yeah. So, I mean, I got a couple of thoughts. I'm going to sit back over here for a second. The, sure. um, first of all, worship is that part of our lives that's always enduring. Mm-hmm. So probably the greatest missionary pastor that I know of, uh, that I can think of as far as influence in years past, uh, probably John Piper. And in his book, his missional treatise, Let the Nations Be Glad, in the introductory section of that, he says, missions is a temporary endeavor, but worship abides forever. Mm-hmm. One day, us as missions and missionaries, we're going we're gonna to stop doing that. So when we get to heaven, there's no evangelism. There's no cross-cultural missions. There's no any of those things. But responding to God is critical. And the book and the word in the Old English is really a, com- a compound. Worth-ship is where mm-hmm. it comes from. So it's been shortened down to worship. Um, so I just, while you guys were talking, I just flipped over to just look, what is the defining word, the Hebrew word uh, that's translated worship, its literal meaning means to bow down. So Mm -hmm. what you're saying is, is that every aspect of our life is just living it as though we're bowed down before God in everything we do, not just in the words we take in or the words we say, Mm -hmm. but in every component and aspect of our life. So super good, man. Super good. If we were going to talk about uh, the music side of worship. So mm-hmm. one of the one of the key things that we that we do as a church and the church has done all throughout its history is singing songs of worship and praise and adoration. And so um, this is kind of a this is kind of a trick question, I guess. But sure. what's the right kind of uh, what's the right kind of music to use whenever we worship? So that's a great question. That's a great question. <laughs> that's a great question. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would answer it. I read a book recently that actually, Pastor Chris, you gave me a couple yeah. weeks ago, Doxology and Theology. And there's a sentence in there that I just really have just, it's been on my heart a lot in recent past. And it simply says, right worship is only possible with right doctrine. So the songs that we sing have to have the right doctrine. They have to have the right theology. If they do... They're capable of being sung in in the realm of our sanctuary or worship centers. Those are important songs to lift up because they speak to the character and attributes of God. And that's really what we come together to do every Sunday is to edify and encourage the body. And through song, we do that by singing scripture, essentially. Man, that's that's good. By the way, Doxology and Theology, written by or edited by, I think, right. compiled by Matt Boswell, modern hymn writer and mm-hmm. worship leader extraordinaire, and uh, and a favorite of mine. I happen to like yep. him, so that's kind of where we grabbed that that book from. So if you want to check it out, you can get it wherever books are sold on Amazon or otherwise. So anyway, there's that. <laughs> uh, that's my last commercial for that piece right there. But uh, uh, so you. Uh, some people might think that's a dodge. I don't think it's a dodge, but some people may think it's a dodge sure. because you went away from where most people go with that question, which is style mm-hmm. to heart uh, or expression uh, yeah. kind of thing. So is there, I'm just going to bait you into that. Is there a right, is there a right style of worship in the world we live in? Now I would say 
throughout the course of history, styles have changed. So, you know, you look at medieval times with Gregorian chant and we're no longer doing that. Does that make Gregorian chant irrelevant? Those yeah. are the kind of questions. I know I'm not asking. I'm just saying I'm, those are the I'm kind of questions. I'm trying to think if I if I've ever chanted Gregorian right. before. Mm-hmm. Have you ever? Have you ever... <laughs> those are good. Hey, come on with that. You. That was really Skyler good. for all the listeners. That's that was not me. That's right. That's exactly right. So uh, yeah, and but, we're probably not creating uh, melodic re- uh, recitations from the Book of Psalms, which would have been very right. common in the Hebrew culture. Right. Yeah. And a lot of times in in previous history, you've seen a lot of call and response for mm. the whole service, which can be essentially organized chaos if not done the right way. So there's, again, when the Bible calls us to do things with excellence and with skill, I believe that you have to bring that chaos into order and make it as functionality, uh, functionality wise, it has to be as proper as it can be so that we can truly focus on the one that is the most important, which is Jesus. So instead of taking away from with styles, style is, uh, I don't want to say it's a consumerism word, but it's a preference and it's not a necessity. So there are different churches that have um, different styles, if we want to call it that, quote unquote, um, and and nothing is necessarily wrong, but I would ask, is what you're singing stylistically, that's the word we're using, is it helpful to the body? Is it encouraging the body? Is it edifying the body entirely? Or are mm. we sitting here trying to uh, limit ourselves? Or are we trying to keep a certain style because... of our congregation doesn't want change, but 90% wants us to stay the way that we are. And I think as history would prove, we've changed as a body of believers from, you know, A, B, C, D, E forms of worship. And now we're in the later years in the present time where style is now becoming almost an issue, but it doesn't need to be one. It's, It's really about, are we singing words that love the Lord and encourage loving the Lord through our struggles and through our trials and in the mountaintops and in the valleys. And that's the most important thing that I think to keep in mind. Man, that is good. That's good. Hey, I want to pick up on this a little bit more in depth. Um, Mm -hmm. And I want to kind of take us in a conversation of uh, maybe in that vein of how did we get to the place where we are, where style tends to be where people go to. And so that's probably going to lead us to talk about, you know, what, what's the role of believers or, or unbelievers in a worship service, that kind of thing. Sure. And then ultimately, because of kind of the direction of our podcast, uh, I want to talk about that, that 5,000 foot objective that I have, which is how do we develop lifelong worshipers of Jesus? How do we help moms and dads contextualize this in the home? But We've been at this for a bit, and folks have gotten to know you a little bit. I'm going to invite you to hang around for another episode, and uh, we'll pick up with a part two and kind of cover those things if that's cool with you. Can you hang out with us? Love it. All right, good. And hey, thanks so much for listening in. We are really grateful. You've only got a certain amount of time to invest uh, your week uh, to invest in learning new things or engaging in conversation. The fact that you invest it here really does humble us. Grateful for you, and uh, we hope to catch you next time. Thank you for joining us for the My Home, My Mission podcast. If today's episode was helpful to you, please subscribe, share it with a friend, and rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. If you would like to contact Chris or Jordan, email us at home at inglewoodbaptist.com.